Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... make yourself worthy. The gospel makes you worthy. The blood of Christ makes you worthy. The adoption of God as a child of God makes you worthy. Now, do we just then go do what we want? No. We try harder in the power of God's Holy Spirit because we are so grateful that He would love us, that He would give His life for us. And we give our life to Him because He gave His life for us, but we don't make ourselves worthy. Many of us may be trying so hard to clean up ourselves before coming to God, but we can't make ourselves worthy of Him. In today's message, we have the Apostle Paul in jail, now concerned if the church in Philippi will continue the work that he has started. Paul reminds them that our conduct should be worthy of the gospel, and Pastor Jim will be teaching that this is the gift granted to us by Jesus' death on the cross. We simply come to Him, and He cleanses us. Out of gratitude, we persevere in our conduct. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Joyful Perseverance. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. But if you're a Christian, if God has taken you, and I'm again, not some phony plastic churchgoer, but if you are a real Christian who walks in the love of God every day, to whom much is given, much more is required. So the apostle says, let your conduct. That translation is actually a little bit awkward in English. It has to actually do with being a citizen. They lived in northern Greece, the Philippians. They were citizens of the Roman Empire. There was a certain pride in being a citizen. He says, basically, let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So where is a Christian a citizen of? Heaven. So what is he saying to them? Be proud of your citizenship. Live in your life what you already are. Live like a citizen of heaven. Live like a son or a daughter of the king. Live like someone who is rich beyond measure because God has calls them their father. Now he says, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Before we can understand this, we have to quickly review what is the gospel. What is the God spell? Many of you remember that old play, not good. What is the God story? The gospel is the good news, what God has done. Did you notice what I just said? The good news is what God has done. Not you, not me, but God. What God has done for a world that is separated from him by sin. What God has done for a world that basically turned their back on God, ignored God, didn't live his way, which until you read the Bible, you will never know his way. I remember I was raised in some sort of religious thing. I don't even know what to tell you it was anymore at this point in my life. But I remember when I read the Bible, I'm like, none of that stuff I was told is even in there. That's why we must understand what God says. The good news is that God, who the world turned their back on him, became a man. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. We also know him as Jesus the Christ or Jesus Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life in your place, in my place. He died a sinner's death on a cross in your place, in my place. He rose from the dead proving that he is the son of God. And so having given his own life, he offers a new life, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to anyone who would put their trust in him. Who is that? Anyone. The apostle Paul said, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. That's the whole world. For anyone, no matter who you are today, it is for you. You say, I'm not worthy. We're going to debunk that argument in a second. It is for anyone. It is for you. Anyone who puts their trust in Christ. Someone says, why are you going to heaven? You go, I'm a good person. You're trusting in who? You. When you, someone says to you, why are you going to heaven? If you say, because I've put my trust in the perfect life of another and my sins were paid for by another. You are trusting in Christ. In Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, Jesus is in Nazareth at the beginning of his ministry. He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he reads to them the scriptures from Isaiah 61 written hundreds of years before he lived. Listen to what he says to them. He reads to them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, the announcement to the poor. Often the Bible when it talks about poverty talks about spiritual poverty. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, those who are captive of sin and recovery of sight to the blind. He did it physically to show that he does it spiritually to set at liberty or set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what did the people who grew up with him who heard him say that? They go, isn't that the carpenter's kid? Didn't I coach him in Little League? Not much of a swing. (laughs) You see, they weren't impressed. And then he talked to them a little bit more. And you know what they tried to do next? They tried to throw him off a cliff. And you thought you had trouble when you told people they need Jesus. (laughs) But let me ask you this question, friend. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ or is your trust still in yourself? Have you received the forgiveness of sins? Are you sure that eternal life is yours? Have you been made spiritually rich? Have you been spiritually healed? Were you once blind, but now you see? Have you been set free, or does something still have a hold on you? That thing you can't quit. That thing you keep doing. That thing that is now, you realize, has taken the place of God in your life. If your answer is no, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ today because anyone. Jesus said, whoever will come to me, I will by no means cast out. We have said many times before, you can't be too bad to come to Jesus. You can only be too proud. But if you answer that question, yes, oh, I've trusted in Jesus, then here's the command to you is very simple. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The apostle saying here to the church, don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything take you off course. The apostle was living for God in jail, 
other Christians throughout the Roman Empire in the midst of all of the pagan worship and rampant immorality, that that was crazy, crazy, disgusting stuff that people would be put in jail for the rest of their life here in this country. But they were living for God in the midst of that. And you can where you are too because Jesus has promised to always be with the Christian. Now, we live in a culture that is obsessed with what's best for me. Our economy depends on you buying the stuff on television that tells you what's best for you. But here, notice the Apostle Paul, like his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is becoming more selfless as each day goes by because he's becoming more like Jesus. And he's more concerned, as we saw already in the letter, with the spread of the good news that people actually hear. That is our concern, Calvary Chapel. There are people in Northwest New Jersey that just haven't heard. They just don't understand. People go, oh, I've been to church. I know all that stuff. I go, well, tell me the story. And they can't tell you anything about it because they haven't heard. The Apostle Paul's not only concerned about the spread of the gospel, he's concerned with the maturity of the Philippian church. Now, what would most of us be? Oh, I unfalsely accuse. I don't, they might chop my head off. He's like, no, that's fine. Bring it on, because I know that anything that comes to me has come because of Christ. And the church in America needs to learn this lesson, and we need to learn it fast if there's any hope for our young people. People will not believe in our Savior until they see him living in and through our lives. They just won't, not to perfection, but to care about people, to do things for other people, to get the cobwebs out of our wallet and be able to help somebody in need. They need to see it, and they will start to want to hear about our Christ when they see our Christ. But this is very important. Loved ones, you have to catch this. He is writing to Christians. He is talking to Christians. He is talking to people who have already put their trust in Jesus Christ, and he says, let your conduct be worthy, not make yourself worthy so God will take you. This is a very common misunderstanding amongst our friends and our neighbors, maybe even you if you're here today, that you think that you have to make yourself worthy in order to come to God. Simple lesson, we've said it many times before. Jesus says to the apostles, come with me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Any fishermen in the audience, don't raise your hand because you're all a bunch of liars. Fish is this big, you say it's that big. I know you lie all the time. You catch two, you tell everybody you caught 20. You lie all the time. But let's talk about what it really is. When do you clean the fish? After you catch them. Not before you catch them. I mean, what could look dumber than some guy with a scaling knife trying to go and hit the fish in the water? That's ridiculous. Nobody cleans themselves and comes to God. What we do is we come to God and God cleans us up. You don't make yourself worthy. I hope that was one of the most comforting things you've ever heard in your life if you're not a believer in Jesus. You don't make yourself worthy. The gospel makes you worthy. The blood of Christ makes you worthy. The adoption of God as a child of God makes you worthy. Now, do we just then go do what we want? No, we try harder in the power of God's Holy Spirit because we are so grateful that he would love us, that he would give his life for us. And we give our life to him because he gave his life for us, but we don't make ourselves worthy. And if I have to say this every week to you, I will. A Christian is someone who looks at the cross and they are motivated to live for God because of his great love. They are motivated to live God because of his great grace. They are motivated to live for God because of his great acceptance. 
and no other reason. And so their conduct matters. It shows what they really are on the inside. And when we fail, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So number two, perseverance in conviction. See, without convictions, forget about your conduct, right? It's just not going to work. Verse 27 again. You're like, you're not making much progress, Pastor Jim, I know. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy of what? The gospel of Christ. Worthy of you already are, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, either way, no matter what happens to me, I may hear of your affairs. Remember, he's talking to a church. We've got to really turn off this American individualized Christianity thing because so often the books of the Bible are written to a people. I may hear of your affairs, not that you're having affairs with one another, the stuff that's going on, that you stand fast. That actually is a word picture of soldiers at a post, ready to attack if the order comes, or ready to defend if the order comes. That you stand fast in one spirit. Bible scholars want to argue, is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the the human spirit? Whenever they get into those arguments, I just read, spend hours reading that stuff. My wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm reading stuff. She goes, what's the answer? I go, I don't know. Both are probably true. So I don't know which it is. (laughs) One spirit, one mind, striving together right? That actually, some of your versions say working side by side. The word picture there is you're playing together on a team to win, to win. I don't know much about the sport of rugby, but I love to watch it when it's on TV. I'm like, those dudes must really want to win. I don't know what they're doing, but they're killing each other, right? They're all lumped on top of each other. I'm like, that's what they're doing. They're they're playing a win for what? For what? The church raffle? for just making sure that everything is fine all the time? No. For what? For the faith of the gospel. Get together, get ready, fight as a team because there's always going to be onslaughts against the church from both the outside and the inside for the faith of the gospel. So here the apostle just, he lays it out to them. Listen, I want to hear. Remember, we, Paphroditus has brought a letter to him and brought a present to him and lets him know what's going on in the church. He says, I want to hear next time, and the Lord wants to see that together as a church, you guys are united in the cause of the gospel. That you guys are united in the advancement of the faith to people who don't believe and the maturity of the faith in the people who do believe. And he says, listen, don't wait for me to return. Don't wait for me to get there to be united in this. Don't wait for Jesus to return. It will be too late. Unify the church now. And this should be the way of every church. We should be a team that is together battling against the unseen forces of this world for something that is real. For the souls of people. For the love and the freedom of people. Not religion. A united church is a powerful church. A divided church is a dangerous church. And it's one that's easy to kill if God is merciful. A lot of times, the devil lets divided churches just have a life of their own. Like, those people stay away from them. They're they're not fighting together. They're fighting with each other. 
Nor does the word of God have room for a social club church that stands for absolutely nothing or a church where anything goes or a church that's only about themselves. That's gross. It's like God is like, ooh, this is just not the way he wants it to be. Now there's a gospel tension here. We have to keep, we have to hold them in tension. God preserves the church without a doubt. I mean, just look at the dysfunctional state of Christianity throughout all the years, and you think it's a miracle that that it keeps going. Yes, it is. (laughs) So God preserves the church, but the church must persevere in the faith. That's why at Calvary Chapel, at this church, as long as I'm the pastor, we will continue to teach the word of God with clarity and with passion and without apology week after week after week. And if people, they're like, I can't stand that. I don't want to be told what to do. Fine. If you don't want God to tell you what to do, no me problemo. I don't, it's not my responsibility. But we're going to tell you what God says from his word. Why? So, so the Lord pulls us together as a united people. So we're not thinking about our own opinions. We're thinking, what would the Lord say? He's not here right now, although his spirit walks among us. Say, what would the Lord say? What would the Lord do? What would he expect from us? And we have to fight against the independent Christian mentality of our day. What did you get out of it? Was it good for you? Are you being fed? I I like the music. Did I like this? We've got to get out of that, and we have to stand together until the world hears the message. Sadly, people don't even know the message before they can even reject it. And so the word of God pulls us together in the Lord's values, pulls us together in the Lord's heart, pulls us together in the Lord's convictions. And when the Lord's convictions and the Lord's love are alive in your heart, this is the truth of the matter. And I can point to you so many people in this church that this has happened to. It will move you from a spectator to a committed follower. When you see Jesus Christ who has died for you and what he has done for you, just sitting there and not caring about the rest of the world will not be the way you want to think of life. So, number three, perseverance and courage. Perseverance and courage. Verse 28. Now, if you have convictions of Jesus, there are going to be people from the outside who are going to say a lot of nasty things about you, mainly because the people on TV are not really representing us very well. Any of you feel like the people in Washington? Washington is like a curse word now. Anybody feel like the people in Washington are not representing you well? Okay, that's why you have all of these grassroots movements that are coming up. Well, most of the Christians on TV are not representing Christianity well. So there's going to be people who identify yourself as a Christian or a committed follower of Jesus Christ, as I like to call it. They're going to think that you're just some sort of Republican jihadist of some sort. And so you're going to have to really, you're going to have to work, right, to convince them and love is the key, that you're, you're absolutely different. But there's going to be some difficulty. So here we're going to talk about perseverance and courage. He says, verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Some of your versions say by your opponents, even those who want to throw you off a cliff, like they want to throw Jesus off a cliff, which is to them a proof of perdition, what does it mean when people are just, when, you, when they really hear the truth of the gospel and they want to throw you off a cliff, you know what that means? Sadly, friends, it means they're going to hell. That's what it means. It says it right here. But you of salvation and that from God. Now, remember, those who oppose the gospel, okay, oppose God. 
And God has promised when people oppose you for being a Christian that he's going to help you. Did you know that in the Roman Empire, the Christians, they didn't have the word then atheist, but do you know the, the Christians were considered atheists in the Roman Empire? It's one of the reasons why Christianity was made illegal. Because they thought that they were atheists because they thought Caesar was God. And so they're like, well, you believe in this Jesus, so you obviously you don't believe in God. They also talked about an invisible God that could not be seen. And all the gods of the Roman Empire, they could be seen. And then this crazy, immoral, pagan world just decided to make Christianity illegal. And there will always be obstacles in being a true follower of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul talking about all the obstacles he had, and he said, but none of these things move me. Now that doesn't mean when they beat him up, it didn't hurt. That doesn't mean when they whipped him, he was like, oh, kumbaya, this is wonderful. That doesn't mean when his friends stabbed him in the back, it didn't hurt. It means that because of his convictions, because of his courage, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, who he knew rose from the dead, he says that no matter what they do to me, it won't move me off my mission. It won't stop me from what I'm doing. And if you're going to follow Jesus, please understand this. People will say things about you. People will say things about your faith. Oh, he's one of them. People are going to say things about your church. This is a warehouse. Funny, those people, they always come to you when they're in trouble, don't they? <laughs> the biggest critics run to you when there's trouble. Even the so-called Christians, we've talked many times before, the hardest people to get to follow Jesus are religious people. They don't think they need him. Even people who would call themselves Christian because they reject the gospel are going to reject you. Who killed Jesus? Who, who started the ball rolling? The religious leaders, right? Because Jesus wasn't one of them. The religious people hated him. Why? Because Jesus wasn't one of them. Isn't that funny? Oh, we love God. Let's kill him. I mean, how inconsistent is that? And Jesus says, you know, you trip people out with you lay this goofy religious stuff on them and you don't even want to bear it yourself. And they were like, man, we've got to kill this guy. We've got to shut this guy up. They think you go to heaven. Religious people think you go to heaven by being a good person. Friend, did you know that's not true? The Bible says none are good. No, not one. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. I'm not going to go to heaven and go, why in the world should we let you? And I'm not going to go, I'm Pastor Jim. You didn't know I was coming? I had no way. I'm identifying myself with Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said that heaven is a place for sinners who trust Christ. And hell is a place for sinners who don't. That's the difference between heaven and hell. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, the apostle John said this, and, said, and this is the testimony, or this is the truth, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So a true follower of Christ can courageously stand on the word of God and lovingly stays in the struggle is a proof to them that they're going to heaven is a proof to them that Jesus Christ has saved their soul. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and I always know every week there are some, some weeks many, 
I want to thank you for being here. I know it takes a lot to walk into some strange place that you've never been to before, uh, to walk into a warehouse singing a bunch of songs that you never heard before and watching some guy in blue jeans yell at you for three and a half hours. I know that that takes a step of faith. I understand that. But I want to talk to you just for a second, not in a condescending way, in a way I'd love to, if you want to get together, I'd love to talk with you more about this. I beg you to consider Do you see the world with the spiritual clarity that you think you do? Pastor Jim will have more insights to share from the Gospel of Mark the next time you join us. You've been listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kethney, teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. This message from the Book of Philippians is available to anyone who calls 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the right teaching in your hands. Again, you can get a copy of today's study on CD when you call 973-659-3380 or by sending an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love also has a website with quite a bit of information. The address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. That's www.changedbyloveradio.com. At the website, you can check out our additional resources, drop us a note, or give securely to support the ongoing expenses of bringing you this program. Changed by Love is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located at 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. From all of the production team, we want to say thank you for joining us today. And we pray that God's Word would change your lives in more ways than you've ever dreamed possible. Please mark your Bibles and join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, right here on Changed by Love.